Hey, everybody. Welcome to another PX3 interview. I'm your host, Justin Robert Young. We have a good one for you here today. Dr. Michelle Clear, she's a performance psychologist who trains athletes. She trains CEOs. She trains all sorts of people to make sure that their brain is in the right state to withstand big, high-pressure, winner-take-all situations. So... I figured I'd call her up and ask her about what would go through the mind of a candidate for president of the United States. It's a really informative interview. I'm very, very excited for you guys to listen to it. A real quick word of warning. This was done on the road. I was in Syracuse over the weekend. I had to do it then. So the audio quality is a little bit shoddy compared to where it normally is. But I think you guys will be able to suffer through it. A reminder. This show happens because we have TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That leads you to our Patreon. It's where you can join up with the $3 club. I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's Tuesday. The Mueller Report comes out Thursday. We normally do our big show Wednesday. So that means that if you are a part of our $3 club, if you're at that $3 level at Take Politics Seriously, you're going to get not one, but two podcasts after the Mueller report comes out, before we do another episode next Wednesday. It's a no-brainer, folks. Head on over there. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. But enough of my yammering. Let's go ahead and get into our interview with Dr. Michelle Clear. So let's go ahead and get uh, an explanation of what you do. Yeah. So uh, in a really simplistic sense, I help people to train their minds. We train our body physically, whether it's college, school, um, sports, other performance type things. But we don't often train our brain. And we think that our brain is somehow going to automatically just show up and do what we want it to do. But oftentimes what happens is it shows up and does totally the opposite of what we wanted to do. So my job, I have the fortunate ability to work with many different kinds of performers to help them develop their brain, their mental skills, so that they're able to meet the physical stuff that they're doing and perform more optimally. So when, when, when you say train your your brain. You, you you do primarily work with with athletes, which I assume would kind of lead itself into a little bit of that uneven nature that you are training every day, especially if you're at an elite level uh, that you're uh, kind of neglecting your brain. What are common ways that you find people do that? Well, uh, it's not necessarily that we're atrophying our brain. Um, it's really that again, we're just you know, we, we aren't really training our brain uh, mentally or emotionally to meet the demands. Gotcha. So again, your brain just sort of comes along for the ride and we sort of expect it to come along for the ride in like a positive, happy, 
like, oh, I've trained physically to do this, you know, whether it's be, you know, a CEO or whether it's, you know, to be an Olympian or, you know, to be, uh, you know, an aerialist in the circus, you know, we've trained really hard to do those things and put a lot of time and energy in. And again, we just sort of think that by doing that, our brain, you know, our mental capacity, our emotions, all of that's just going to sort of foul and it doesn't foul. So we have to train our brain to be able to match that with our physical ability so that we can understand how to deal with pressure and stress and resilience and, you know, all of the mental skills that I help people to develop so that they can be good or great at what they do. So I would assume that when, when you, specifically in the athletic field, when you talk about maybe uh, your, your brain not being prepared for the moment, I would guess that that manifests itself in what we, you know, from a, from an outsider's perspective would think of as, you know, choking or not meeting the moment or, or, or not, you know, uh, performing to the level that an outsider might think that you can. And certainly the athlete would think that they can. Is there anything else uh, around that that you find as symptoms? Well, no, choking is a uh, choking is definitely a big one. And again, that happens in, you know, all, all uh, different areas of, you know, what I call performance again, like business, yeah. uh, you know, all, that happens in all areas of performance, but you know, the, yeah, the choking comes from, you know, trying to meet pressures, expectations, demands um, that we either impose on ourselves that are unrealistic or that other people impose on us that, unrealist, that are unrealistic. Those are the, you know, that's the typical reason why that happens. So let's let's uh, segue a little bit into the idea of politics. I, I have always thought that politicians physically as well as mentally have almost uh, similar uh, schedules to like Olympians. They're, they're on like a multi-year cycle of uh, uh, getting out on the road and talking to a bunch of people. And obviously there are a lot of things in between in the same way that an Olympian would run many meets in between, uh, you know, the, the big, you know, the grandest possible stage. But yet I, I would guess that a lot of the, the pressures are, are similar. It is, when you're not doing something constantly and you have uh, stakes that rise uh, far apart from each other, is that something that can be a pratfall for people? Uh, yeah. And I mean, I love your analogy with sports and politics. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a cycle that politicians, yeah, that politicians are on and things that they need to be doing and demands that are happening and stress and anxiety and, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that, um, they're, they're very different worlds. Um, and, you know, I think also within that, you know, is the potential, especially when you're like, uh, competing against other people. Um, and you know, there's just like other, you know, I mean, you know, Olympians have coaches, but, you know, politicians also have coach type people that work yeah. with them that, you know, and people that write their speeches and, you know, there's a lot of, there's also in politics as well as sports and again, other areas, um, you know, uh, kind of the struggle for, you know, uh, confidence and, you know, being confident and, um, you know, obviously dealing with nerves and anxiety. And, um, you know, I would say, you know, probably a, a big, you know, a big piece for politicians is obviously needing to be liked. 
right? So, yeah. you know, oh, when totally. we talk about yeah. psychology with politics, like, you know, and I deal with this a lot with, again, a lot of my other performers is like, you know, comparing themselves and, you know, needing the validation and, uh, you know, this is a huge part of politics. Oh, that's that's interesting. And, and so so that is something that is that is in and of itself its own category. The idea of in any competitive field, constantly indexing yourself amongst your peers. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's problematic, uh, especially if, you know, like the reason you're running for politics is, you know, not, you know, inherent, but it comes from, you know, something else. Um, you know, then that, you know, that could throw, that could throw a, a politician's, you know, not only sense of self, like, you know, out the door, but sense of like why that person, he or she is, you know, running for office. Right. Um, you know, if you're doing it for all these other people or some other people, some group, um, versus doing it because, you know, this is something that I really want to do. And I feel like I can make an impact that in and of itself you know, is a huge, um, you know, can be a huge downfall for someone running for politics. Let me ask you a general question. Do you normally work with people that have already had some kind of event or sputtering or, or some, you know, tragedy related to, uh, them not being right mentally in the moment that they need to be right mentally the most, uh, or, or are people coming to you proactively saying, I know this could be a problem and I want to address it now. Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, generally it's, it's the, it's the, um, you know, it's people are coming to me after they've had some challenge or barrier downfall and they just don't know what to do. You know, they've tried to do all of like, like I said, sort of the physical stuff, um, and they're like, oh, uh, something still isn't right. So, you know, that has mostly been the case of why I would get a phone call from people. Um, but I would say that that, to a certain degree, is starting to shift a little bit. Um, I just got a call the other day from a guy who um, he's, you know, moving up into a, a C-suite position um, with his company. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know that I want to do this. Why would I want to do this? And then, you know, we talked about all the challenges and the barriers for him and he's like, yeah. And so I don't know that I want to grow anymore, you know, psychologically, emotionally, or elsewise. He's like, why, why would I want to do this? But so, you know, long story short, I am starting to get more of those calls, particularly from business people, right. Who are like, Oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Right. Like, you know, the pay is good, but you know, pay aside, right. Like there's a lot more that comes along with that, a lot more baggage. And I'm not sure I want to deal with that. So that's fascinating. I would, so then I'm, I'm, I'm gathering and correct me if I'm walking down the wrong path, that part of what you are doing is not only trying to get people to think in a productive manner, but more also untangling the motivations that, that these are things that, that go hand in hand. You have to get the why before you uh, start figuring out the, 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 the day-to-day things that you can do to be better. Oh, absolutely. I talk about the why all the time. Yeah. You got to have your why. And again, that why has to come from an internal place, not an external place. Um, because you know, the external place, like that's just, 
you know, that's just setting you up for failure. And, you know, most of the time we don't even know what those external like people or things really want from us. And, you know, even if we did, if you're talking about 20 or 30 people, there's no way of meeting those expectations. And when you can draw from your own internal why, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I get this. I get why I'm doing this. I understand it. It totally makes sense. And every day you get up and you're like, ah, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally important. Now, something that is, again, to draw the parallel between a, a, an athlete or an executive and a politician is the, the constant refocusing of this is the goal. What do I need to do today? to get there, whether it's training and eating right for an athlete or staying on message and focusing and, and hitting all the, 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 the bars and, and diners in Iowa for everybody who's running for president right now in 2020, <laughs> that you have to know that the, the today, what I am doing to get to the then. It, it sounds like what you're saying is that handling that and wearing uh, and the wear and tear that comes with that is more easily handled when the person is more centered. Yeah, yeah, more centered. Um, you know, focus. I think is a funny word, um, but yeah, more definitely more centered, more present, more mindful. You know, mindfulness is kind of you know the big uh, the big the big thing right now. Yeah, um, and you know, I I talk about it from the perspective of let's, you know, screw that. Let's just, you know, let's get you to be more present. Right. And what does that look like for you? So that's a big piece of it, right? Like being centered, being present, being focused. Um, I think the other like big piece of it is, wow. Uh, as I was listening to you talk about setting goals, Justin, I was like, wow, he's got it. I mean, yeah, you can't be thinking <laughs> about, Oh, I want to be president. Right. If you get up every day and your first yeah. thought is like, okay, my goal today is to be president. It's like, uh, uh, first of all, that's overwhelming. Second of all, I don't, you know, there's no way to, right. You can't no do way that, to that today. today. Yeah. You can't, you can't do right. that on an exactly. app. Like you can't just enter in a, right. a passcode and you become president. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's funny because we sort of unconsciously think that we can do that, right? Like, you know, like athletes, like, Oh, you know, you know, when I go to the Olympics 2020, you know, I want the gold. It's like, okay, well, again, you can't think about that today. What do you need to, you know, let's back this out and set goals that are going to help you, you know, every day to move you forward that are flexible, that are realistic, but that are going to help set you up for success every day. Right. Versus failure. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a gotta, that's it. You know, but again, we don't really think that way. We just get up every day and we're like, okay, well, there's the big pie in the sky. Like, I'm going to make that happen today. Yeah. And then well, at the end of the day, you go, oh, wow, I didn't make that happen today. And then that erodes your confidence and your motivation and your, yeah, everything really. Now, that, that is slightly counter, uh, counterintuitive to, I think, how most people uh, uh, think when, when, they, when they think that they are being uh, uh, very focused and, and uh, goal-oriented is to have that North Star, right? To, uh, uh, right. It, it's yeah. the picture you hang up on your wall when you're a kid saying, oh, one day I'm going to do that. Uh, what would you say is, is in your opinion, the healthy way to manage the, the macro and, and the micro? Well, again, the, the macro is really, I really firmly do believe that that really is about setting good goals. 
Um, one of the one of the guys that I'm working with right now, who is he owns his own company, um, and we've been talking a lot about goal setting. Um, you know, like really chunking things out, small pieces, right? These are the things that are going to keep you not only internally driven, but that are going to keep you confident and motivated. And every day you get up and you're like, okay, here's my things. And these are the things that tie to the bigger thing out here. Again, like, you know, my why and my, my big goal. And so, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in uh, those short chunking out process goals. Um, but again, I'm also a firm believer in trying to stay as grounded as you can in the, you know, the here and now and in the present, which is why, you know, I do a lot of work around mindfulness um, because I think that, um, you know, it just, you know, when you're mindful, you're able to be a little bit more focused, recognize when you, you know, you've totally strayed from wherever it is that you are right now and you need to be, um, and, you know, be able to like guide your focus back. And I just feel like, you know, this society, because there's just so much and, you know, politics is a great example of this. There's just so much thrown at politicians yeah. all the time, right. That, you know, I mean, you could get thrown off course in a hot minute. Right. Well, and, 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 like and, and, and in many ways, in many ways, the game is to knock your opponent off course, right. It's like, you have to maintain, right. yeah. it's kind of like, uh, like those, uh, uh, those those comp those old like lumberjack competitions with like the rolling logs like like you yeah. you have to yeah, balance yeah, yeah. yourself as well as destabilize your opponent. Uh, so I guess that there is right. there is like some kind of dark magic there. Uh, real quick, I, I know I mean we are in in you know based out of the the Bay Area at least I'm assuming based on your uh, uh your the area code that I called. Uh, but uh, if you could just give a a real quick. Uh, explanation of what mindfulness is. It's, it's a huge buzzword out here, but uh, uh, yep. for, for those who might not be as aware, what what is mindfulness? Well, you know, mindfulness, um, you know, mindfulness, I think in a, in a macro sense is just being like more present. Uh, and, you know, yes, it is. Absolutely. And again, you're, you're totally right. It's just one of those you know, those words now that's out there in society that, you know, pretty much everyone knows and some people, you know, are okay with and others are like, Oh no, that's just too, you know, woo woo for me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to <laughs> do that. Right. Because, yeah. well, yeah. And because, you know, and, and again, like this came up in conversation with my, you know, my, my, you know, my entrepreneur that owns his own company, you know, when we first started talking about mindfulness, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I did the meditation thing. I did the yoga thing. So, you know, really yeah. that's what people associate with mindfulness. Um, and you know, with him, I haven't strayed into it any further because he seemed really turned off by it, which was really too bad. But from my perspective, mindfulness is not like, okay, I'm in yoga right here. I'm in, <laughs> you know, tree pose or, you know, I'm, you know, I got, I'm going, mm, you know, with my incense going, that's great but how do I then apply that to my life? And that's what I do. I have some very simple exercises to help train people on being more mindful. And again, from my perspective, mindfulness is, you know, in your environments, learning how to be more focused. Look, as human beings, we can't be focused 24 seven. It's just not possible, right? Yeah. But we can learn to be more present 
And the second important piece is recognizing when you've lost that, right? That focus, that presence, right? And you're off like, you know, in negativity land or ruminating about some other crazy stuff that you don't have any control over or whatever it is. And then the third step is the ability to bring guide without judgment, kind of your focus and your presence back to where it needs to be. So this is what I do with clients. It's more, it's definitely more in depth than let's do some yoga and meditation and pray at the end of the day, right. That you're going to, you know, go out to your job or, you know, your, your Olympic training center and you're going to be, you know, mindful and present. Cause that's, unfortunately, that's not what I've seen to be the case, but anyway, that's, that's mindfulness. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's one of those weird things where it does have this soft spirituality aspect to it, uh, at least with the way that it's discussed uh, sometimes. Uh, And then it also is one of those things where, unfortunately, maybe this is just my own cynical attitude toward it, but uh, far often the people who talk the most about mindfulness are probably the people that uh, need to think more about what mindfulness is based on, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, the idea of being like kind and empathetic and knowing who you are and and understanding what people around you are are doing. It's like, it's often the, the uh, biggest blowhards who uh, like to just pin the badge on their chest and say, look at me, I'm mindful. Uh, Uh, You know what? We shouldn't even go down that road because I could totally (laughs) be up on a soapbox with that. (laughs) Uh, All right. So one of the biggest things that I find as a political observer and uh, commentator is watching to see which candidates are going to make more trouble for themselves by way of mistakes, unforced errors, gaffes, uh, uh, sputtering out on a, on a camp, on a debate stage, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, if, if you're looking at that, if let's say, you know, one of these politicians call uh, you and they're like, Hey, look, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm, I'm totally coming apart at the seams and I still got eight months till election day. What's the first thing you're telling them? The first thing I'm telling them is to call me. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So first but it's call you. Sec- All right. So, so there we go. I'm putting yeah. it out there for everybody. I'm sure we're eventually we're going to have some <laughs> campaign staffer that's on the road, that's driving between uh, uh, Des Moines and Cedar Rapids or something. And you're going to need a <laughs> podcast to listen to, and you're going to put this on and your candidate totally just <laughs> ate their own shoe uh, uh, talking about something yesterday, <laughs> go ahead and call Dr. Michelle. This is an unpaid advertisement for Dr. Michelle. So That's there we right. go. First step is that. That's the right. second step would be what? Well, and don't eat a high heel shoe because that sounds like that would really suck. So anyway. <laughs> exactly, yes. The, the, the second step would be would be to figure out what's happening. With, with all of my performers, Again, business people, chess yeah. players, you know, all of them. We develop what's called a, a, pre, a pre-performance routine. So we don't often, again, think about this head stuff. But we do sometimes think about how it pops up and gets in the way. And again, as I said earlier, that's because it's not, the head's not trained properly to do what you wanted to do. And so everybody I work with, you know, we talk about how, okay, so what we're, you know, from what headspace 
or what general space do you perform optimally from? Well, you know, some people need to be calm and relaxed and other people need to be like a little bit more like psyched and pumped up. And so then we figure out how to get them in that space, right? Because right now, if again, if we go back to what I said earlier, if your head, your ego is just sort of going along for the ride, it's just like, you know, this stuff is just like popping up, sabotaging, getting in the way, like blowing your confidence, you're eating your shoe. It's like, yeah. you know, yes, right? So you have to have a plan to set yourself up for success. You have to have a plan to deal with the, the nerves and the anxiety and the stress and the negativity and, you know, whatever lack of confidence you may have. You got to deal with those things. Those things are not just going to go away. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, okay, well, I think I'm going to be confident today. <laughs> I mean, it, it, unfortunately, I've done this work for 18 years. That just does not happen. Yeah. And so, you know, you're going to be eating a lot of shoes. If, <laughs> a lot uh, of shoes. You know. <laughs> yeah. If you uh, don't are, get this figured out. So, so it sounds like you're you're saying that very often we identify when our brain betrays us, but we ignore right. or don't even think is real anything that we and any moment that we're denying ourselves a chance to refocus and reframe and give ourselves a chance to success that anytime that there's a mistake it's just like oops you know uh, uh, the 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 cosmic dice landed on snake eyes and that's why right. i forgot everything that i trained for right no absolutely so you know let me call more voters let me hire another staffer let me just get on the road and, you know, go somewhere to give this like, you know, speech. Um, yeah, but then, you know, it doesn't change. And, and again, most often what happens is it gets worse. Yeah. Right. It's kind of, it's, it's just, like I said, it's not going to just go away. Um, and, you know, you give one bad speech and, you know, you were muttering and stuttering and, you know, all these things are happening for you. Many times what happens is that continues to, again, erode at your confidence and how you feel about yourself. And then the next time you get up on, you know, stage to, you know, give another speech, your confidence is a little less than it was the time before. Right. And for many people like that, it grows and gets a little bit bigger. And, you know, Sorry, again, it's not until you figure out what to do with that and about that, that, you know, you're going to be able to get up there and give a speech the way that you want to get up there and give a speech. It, it sounds like part something. of this. Oh, yeah, no, no. It sounds like part of this is also your ability to connect with other people. Do you find with your, I would imagine with a corporate a client is where this would probably be probably be more uh, applicable that uh, being able to be centered and and understanding what you're doing and be mindful of your situation and where you are uh, uh, where, where your headspace is and reframing it helps somebody connect more honestly to somebody else or make a more uh, a personable and important connection with others. Yeah, I think, you know, all of this starts with us, right? And until we're like self-reflective and we're clear on what's going on and then clear about the path, like moving forward, 
um, I think, yeah, I mean, wow, it makes it really difficult to connect with people, right? Because if you're not feeling great about yourself and what you're doing, um, you know, again, whether that's anxiety, uh, lack of confidence, stress, lack of resilience, you know, whatever it is, if you're not feeling great about yourself and these things that are feel like they're sort of happening to you, yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're, you're not going to have the best of relationships with anybody because right now you don't have the best relationship with yourself. Cause that, cause that's something that you hear a lot on, on the campaign trail or, or in, in political journalism, that there are some people that are just, uh, charisma monsters that, that when, when you sit down with this politician, you heard this a lot with like, uh, Bill Clinton, that, uh, Bill Clinton was somebody that when you, when you sat down in front of him, you felt like he was the only, that you were the only person in the world and he was talking to you and whether or not, uh, you know, uh, that uh, I'm sure critics of Bill Clinton would, would, uh, impugn his, his mental, uh, uh clarity or whatever. But I, I do think that that's what you hopefully would want to go for. <laughs> you would want to be able to have yeah. that. You would want to inspire that kind of connection with somebody. And, and, and you're saying that, this comes from knowing who you are first so you can connect with others. Yeah, no, I absolutely think it does. And I, I think Bill Clinton's a great example of like, you know, being very charismatic. And, and I also think on the flip side that, you know, when we look at all the political candidates running for president and we hear them, you know, speaking on the news, right. You can sort of get like who's charismatic and who's not charismatic. And, you know, I mean, Let's face it, you know, uh, this is a big part of politics, huge oh, sure. part of politics, right? Absolutely. And if I see someone on the news, like maybe I don't even, you know, I got the TV on mute, but if I see a politician, you know, on the news and they're like, I, I hate to say this, but kissing babies and shaking yeah. hands and, yeah. you know, looking happy and confident and their body language is also showing that exuding that I'm going to be like, Ooh, I don't know. I might have to think about her yeah. <laughs> for president. Right. So yeah, absolutely. You know, and that this is one of those uh, uh, amazing moments on the political calendar that's coming up is the, the Iowa state fair, which uh, happens, you know, every, every four years, uh, all the political hopefuls descend upon the Iowa state fair because it means a lot to Iowans and Iowa has the first caucus and you can always tell who really likes being at a state fair and who is really just kind of there because they have to be. At least, yeah, you know, like right. there's, there's some guys that you just, you know, they're, they're just holding that corn dog a little bit weird. And you're like, oh, I don't know if you've ever seen a butter sculpture in your life. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, again, it, it really goes back to, uh, Look, we, you know, we're all very, whether we want to recognize it or not recognize it, we're very in tune with people's body language and facial expressions and how they carry themselves and hold themselves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and we can tell in a hot second if someone's being genuine and authentic or not. So, And I, and I guess um, the, the, these are kind of the small signals that you're saying being, you know, training your brain and being more in the moment will help you uh, understand and relate to that instead of just saying like, Oh, I think I just came off as fake to this person and burying that and moving on. You can understand where you're coming from and not only a, just make a different 
uh, interaction because you're going to be more true to yourself. Mm -hmm. But also say like, oh, well, maybe that didn't come off the way I wanted to. I should think about that going forward instead of just, you know, throwing it in the uh, uh, deep, dank basement of our brain and and just assuming it'll (laughs) go away at some point. Right. No, self-reflection is huge. And, you know, Justin, it's so funny because, you know, I I seriously have laughable moments at the end of like my work with, I'd say most all of my clients, you know, we get towards the end and we we have a little chuckle about how, well, that wasn't that hard. Yeah. (laughs) And that wasn't even really that time consuming. And wow, those things were really you know, simple and matter of fact. And, you know, yeah. And I mean, something as simple as like, you know, changing up your body language and your facial expressions. I mean, people think, ah, that's, you know, that's hooey. And that's, you know, that's kind of like mindfulness. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of out there on the fringes for me, but let me tell you, I, you know, when I work with clients, we work on the whole shebang and, uh, you know, I think body language has been really one of those very, very small, subtle things that people don't think has a huge impact on themselves and on yeah. other people. But when they make that switch, they go, holy cow, what just happened there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> I guess now I'm also seeing kind of you, you do have to make this leap where on one hand, you are saying you you, you got to be mindful and something like body language means a lot. And I'm sure that there are some people listening yep. to this saying, oh my God, literally every moment that I've had a slump shoulder, <laughs> I've, I've been eroding my reputation with my friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Yeah. And that's a very daunting thing. But, but, but you're saying it's like from, from the moment you want to make it better, your life will be benefited for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, it's not that, it's not that big of a thing, right? So when I, when I work with clients in my office or in other places, I work with clients all over the world. Um, you know, I sometimes have them, okay, I want you to stand up and I want you just to slouch over and put your head down. How does that feel? Oh, that feels bad. And, you know, I feel, you know, like I'm cutting off my breath and, you know, I feel tense and, and I say, okay, now all I want you to do is I just want you to draw everything up, shoulders back and down, head up, eyes looking forward. How does that feel? Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, uh, I work with a lot of musicians as well. And I can remember I was working with um, uh, uh, a, a principal trombone player at the time. And he was looking at me like, Girl, you are freaking crazy. I don't even know what you're saying, but okay. (laughs) Whatever you say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do. So sure enough, he practiced like just having good body language, good posture. uh, And he was like, oh my God. And he he was a big, you know, like six something, right? And he's like, I can see up over people. He's like, I felt confident. And then, you know, we started talking about, so, you know, when you went to the symphony with this new, like, you know, chest open, not like, you know, cocky, like, Oh, here I am. But yeah, you know, chest open head up. Right. I said, how did people react and respond? He's like, well, nobody really said anything. He said, I think a few people look at me a little different. Um, but you know, sometimes what I hear from clients is, yeah, like, you know, 
my, you know, my business partner was like, wow, you look really like positive and confident today. Or my Olympic athlete will say, the coach was looking at me like, wow, you look like you're ready and prepared to go today. So again, these small, subtle shifts can make a huge difference. Again, not only how we feel about ourselves, but about how, how other people perceive us and feel about us. And, you know, honestly, politicians out there, if you want a psychological advantage, like get to a place where you have this really true, vulnerable, authentic smile and scent about you. It's, it'll scare the hell out of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I got one more question for you and then I'll let you go. Yeah. As Aww. somebody who, who, who is in your position and works with the people that you do yep. and, and you are constantly thinking about this, I can only imagine that you are just more in tune to look for certain things uh, amongst just the world, right? Because it is your business. It, it, it's your trade. Mm -hmm. Is there anything specifically that you look for and appreciate or don't appreciate when you see a politician either in person or on television? Yeah, I I think going back to what I said earlier, I really appreciate again if I can turn if I can mute the TV and I see a politician and I get the sense that they are genuine and authentic and vulnerable. Then yeah, for me that's like wow. Okay. You know, cuz honestly, like this is what the world needs, like real people. Yeah. Right. Well, I, you know, and, we don't need these fake people. And that's, and that's really the thing I think right now is that's the order of the day in politics is, is authenticity. Authenticity means more than, than it, I think it has in my lifetime, specifically because politics for the last, for the previous kind of 20 years, I think had gotten to a place where it was all about playing not to lose. It was about not making a mistake yeah. at all costs, which right. I think led right. people to make a lot of <laughs> big mistakes because that was the only yeah. thing which is mitigating loss. And what we're seeing yeah. now, and it certainly has happened on, you know, uh, for, for whatever you might think of the president, I don't think that there's much controversy that we think that he's that dude. Like I, we don't think that it's right. necessarily an act. Right. Uh, and in, in the same that you could say with a, Bernie Sanders, or even a lot of the guys on the on the, on the Democratic side now, are not the the super polished. I need to make sure I never say anything wrong, right. ever type. Yeah. Like this, this seems to be kind of a sea change. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was, was it, I was listening to you speak, and I was thinking, yeah, and and see someone be human and make a mistake. I think is a good thing. Yeah. That, that that's that's in you know contrary to how we might believe where it's like ooh you screwed up and now we're gonna talk about it and now it's gonna be the thing on CNN and everyone's gonna make memes and it's gonna be all over Twitter uh, now it's it's more like okay yeah but that happens all the time you know a a a, yeah. a high schooler who slips on a banana peel has memes and in their own world has a, a cataclysmic thing we we almost feel more for the people that screw up and move on. Yeah. Well, I think, cause you know, even though, you know, the, the, the entire world is um, not really, but um, you know, is trying to be perfect. 
you yeah. know, I even think that, you know, the people, the people who are trying to be perfect, see that mistake is like, Oh, you know, I can take a breath. Okay, great. Look, you know, he made, she made that mistake and that went all right. And so like, you know, I mean, there, there needs to be a lot more of that. Um, another soapbox for another day, but, um, sure. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. authenticity and vulnerability. I, I am going to, I am going to press you. Is there anything that, that turns you off that you immediately look at and you're like, Oh, it's a red flag. Oh boy. I don't know if we want to go down that road. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just think the opposite of that. Again, I think it's really, really clear for me, for me, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, my sense of vulnerability, humanness, um, empathy, you know, it's really clear to me what that means for me. So when I yeah. see that, I'm drawn to that. Um, and when I don't see that, that's when I'm turned off. Yeah. Is it is it more of a sin to kind of project it in a way that you would re, would read as as false? Like it's not necessarily like there are certainly boring politicians, right? But then there are politicians right. that I think inspire a special kind of vitriol because we feel that the that that empathy or or authenticity is manufactured or or something that is right. yeah. is being very carefully planned, and, and so that creates right. an inherent mistrust. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, this is politics, right? Like, yep. you know, we all <laughs> sort of define that and see that very differently. Yeah. Right? So what's empath someone who's empathetic and vulnerable and humble and human, you know, to me, uh, you know, for you, that might be completely different. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's politics. <laughs> exactly because every because so, everything's read yeah. through the lens of oh well i believe x y and z and even if this person maybe isn't the most right. uh authentic in my in my eye if i'm gonna really you know put a thing to it i would still prefer them than the other person <laughs> right. because they yeah. are they yeah. are on uh, uh the, the the side that believes what i believe uh fantastic yeah, and, well yeah oh, sorry go ahead go ahead sorry no, oh, I was no, just no, going to yeah. say, yeah. And I think, you know, I think the platforms are, um, I think honestly, the platforms are important. I think for a lot of people, though, they are secondary, right? So yeah, it's got to be this person and does this person, what kind of platform does this person have? And then do those two things sort of match up? Yeah. Well, so. and I think especially now in the primary season, yeah. when, you know, we're going to have 20 yep. plus people running for president that on the wow. Democratic side all pretty much believe the same thing. You know, obviously there are going to be important yeah. differences and there's going to be emphasis in different places, but in general, everybody's on the same yeah. side. So the little differences make all the more, uh, all, they, they matter right. all the more. All right. My guest That's has right. been Dr. I Michelle agree. Clear. Yeah. She is a performance psychologist uh, working in so many different disciplines. Uh, thank you, Dr. Michelle. This has been fantastic. Justin, I so appreciate you having me on. This was so much fun. And wow, you're such a great, fun host. Um, I, <laughs> I really appreciate your warmth and empathy and vulnerability. <laughs> so no, it was, a really, it was a really great time for me. So thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. If people want to learn more about what you do, is there any place that they can find you online? 
Yes, uh, my website is uh, drmichelleclear.com, um, and there's also a form there. So if you want to contact me, you can email me from there. Okay, and that is Dr. Michelle C L E E R E for for all those staffers. I swear to God, when you start getting these referrals <laughs> from uh, uh, from from all the candidates on the trail, that I want to I want I want to know. I want to get nominated for Skinny. Uh, all right, uh, that's, thank you. Thank that's going to so be much. our second show. That'll be it. Yeah. Well, no, we'll do a wrap up after after election day. Then that's you can right. say, "Oh, I worked with this yeah. person and this person." Uh, uh, all right. Well, well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Justin. Have a good rest of your day. you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>